This is Stand Up For The Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion, addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at standupwithatruth.com. Hey friends, good morning. Thank you, brothers and sisters in Christ, for sharing this podcast. Remember, you can check out any of our past guests by going to standupforthetruth.com and right on the top, click on Guests. And you'll get a alphabetized list of your favorite guests and some you probably have no idea that were ever on the podcast that you would probably want to listen to. So I want to just direct you to that, that uh, link on our site. Also, I want to remind you that, uh, locally, regionally in uh, the Wisconsin area, Green Bay, actually Appleton, Calvary Chapel is collecting Bibles and Christian books to be donated to, um, uh, Mission Cry. We've had uh, uh, the guest on, what was it, a, about a week, just a little over a week ago. We had Jason Wolford on. He is with Mission Cry, and they collect Bibles, new Bibles or used Bibles, and they ship them over to people and groups who really need them, including orphans and, and missionaries and others um, in different places. So they've got, you know, places, distribution sites around the country and different parts of the world. It's really a big organization, but Calvary Chapel in Appleton, Wisconsin is a drop-off point, a collection point, and you can get more information by emailing them or contacting them about getting your used Bibles, or if you have a brand new one sitting around the house, some of us do. We are so spoiled here in America. So in the second half of today's podcast, we're going over a Family Research Council uh, report on hostility against churches on the rise in the U.S., and they've analyzed incidents particularly from 2018 through 2022, and as we know, it's increasing especially on pro-life churches and pregnancy centers, but we're also going to talk about some disturbing developments in the education system and in government. Um, one in Arizona, LGBTQ members of an Arizona school board are banning Christian student teachers due to their biblical beliefs. Also, a couple other articles in similar vein up in Washington State, a ministry is suing after the state outlawed hiring Christian employees. Interesting developments, but not surprising. And to talk about these and other issues around the world, we're blessed to have Todd Nettleton back with us, Director of Media and Public Relations for Voice of the Martyrs USA. He's host of VOM Radio, the podcast. You can check it out. You can go to persecution.com or vomradio.net. And Todd's latest book, When Faith is Forbidden, is the subtitle is 40 Days on the Front Lines with Persecuted Christians. We talked about that a couple times ago when he was on the podcast. Todd, welcome back to Stand Up for the Truth. Thanks so much. It's great to be with you. Great to have you back, brother. Let's start off right on the homepage of Voice of the Martyrs website. Let Tell us about the Sabina Group Study, what it is and how people can get more info. Well, several years ago, we had a feature film about the life of the founder of Voice of the Martyrs, Sabina Wormbrand, her husband, Richard. They founded VOM together, and uh, now we've just come out. In fact, this month, it just released a group study partly looking at the life of Sabina Wormbrand and and trying to learn lessons from her. There are clips from the movie in the video segments for the group study. Uh, But the thing I'm really excited about this is also in this group study, we are meeting seven modern-day Sabinas, people Mm. who 
uh, are going through persecution right now or have gone through it just in the past few years, and how did they come through? How did they hold on to their faith in the midst of that? And uh, what comes out of these conversations are some really practical things that, uh, you know, one of them is, is Gracia Burnham, who, along with her husband, was kidnapped in the Philippines. And mm. uh, she talks about the fact that, you know, as as they were held hostage for uh, 17 months, uh, there were times along the way where she was thinking, if God loves me, how is he allowing this to drag on and on and on? How is he leaving me here in the jungle running for my life when he supposedly loves me? And one of the things she said, she said she said that to her husband, Martin, and, and Martin, they did something very practical. Martin said, hey, why don't we quote all the scriptures we know about God's love? And so they just sat there and they worked through every scripture they could remember that mentioned the love of God. And I thought, you know, that is such a practical thing Mm -hmm. when we're going through difficult times, whether it be persecution, whether it be some employment situation, whether it be a health problem. And we start wondering, you know, if God really loves me, how could he allow these terrible things to happen to me? Mm Let's do something practical. Let's quote all the scriptures we know. Let's go in our Bible and look up more scriptures about the love of God. And those are the kind of things that are presented in this Sabina group study, Mm -hmm. really practical things that we can do in the midst of our hard times to hold on to our faith and to remind ourselves, yes, God loves us, even in difficult times. Mm -hmm. What a power couple. I mean, Richard Wormbrand and Sabina, What just amazing what they have done and the legacy they have left behind. And of course, uh, Voice of the Martyrs has been a great part of that, of continuing that legacy and informing and educating and inspiring uh, Christians. And people can find out about that at persecution.com. And uh, it's a six-session video study. And uh, anything else you want to share before we move on, Todd? Yeah, let me let me share a couple things. Well, what we hope groups will do is take seven sessions. So the first session, you're going to watch the Sabina film. It's a feature film uh, made in Romania, an award-winning feature film. Mm. And so we watch that, then go through these six sessions. And, and I'll tell you, <clears throat> we are actually offering online extended interviews with our modern-day Sabina. So you could literally take 13 weeks, watch the film, and then after each study session from the group study, watch the extended interview with the modern-day Sabina. It could be a 13-week process. It could be as little as six. Um, But this is something for families, parents, especially if you have teenagers. This is a great way to, in your family devotions, hey, let's talk about what it looks like to suffer for Christ and Mm -hmm. not give up, not give up your faith. Maybe it's a Bible study group. Maybe it's a Sunday school class. Maybe it's a whole congregation This is a powerful tool to help us Mm. as American Christians. We don't often face, you know, the butt of a gun. We don't often face the question, hey, are you a Muslim or a Christian? And know that if we answer wrong, we're going to be killed. Mm. But we do face difficulties. We do face hardships. And so this is a great tool to prepare us as as families, as churches, as Bible study groups, there's so much great truth in this. And I just want to encourage people. The other thing right now, it is free. When, when you make a donation to VOM, we will send you this group study for free. That includes uh, a DVD and a Blu-ray and a participant's guide. Mm. Everything you need cool. to go through this is available to you. Anytime you make a donation to VOM, we'll just send it to you. So there, there's no cost 
uh, sort of barrier to you getting access to this material. And that's a part of the Voice of the Martyrs ministry is is making these resources available to people to help us uh, think about suffering, to help us grow in our faith. Wow. Excellent. The Sabina Group Study. You can go to persecution.com. Uh, Todd, before we talk about, you just got back from Southeast Asia. You were there for about 11 days. I want to hear details about that. I'm sure our audience wants to hear that as well. But I want to hear about this weekend's Voice of the Martyrs Radio. Um, by the way, friends, it's on here if you're local, regional, in Green Bay area, Wisconsin. It's at 8.30 a.m. Central Time on Q90FM. But, but Todd, tell us about this church from China that you'll be talking about this weekend. Yeah, this was one of the conversations I had in Southeast Asia. This is a church, and it is a fascinating story. It's unique. I, I'm coming up on my 25th anniversary here at VOM, wow. and I've never, I've never heard a story like this before. So, so this is pretty unique. Mm. They voted as a congregation. They met together. They saw what was happening in China. They saw the changing laws. They saw other pastors going to prison, and they said, okay, should we stay here knowing what's coming for us or should we leave? And they voted as an entire congregation to leave together. So they first went to South Korea. They applied for religious asylum there. It was denied. They were turned away by the South Korean government. They have now moved on to another country in Southeast Asia, and they are working through the United Nations process to be classified as religious refugees. That is a long process. Literally, it could take up to five years to go through that process. In the meantime, they are in a country they they cannot work. Their kids can't go to school. They don't have any status in the country where they're at. So I recorded a conversation with the pastor, Pastor Pan, of this church. It is called, it's been called the Mayflower Church. Uh, and we just talked about, hey, he starts out, I asked him, how did you come to faith? You know, how, how did you in, in communist China become a follower of Jesus Christ? Uh, and then we talked through their decision as a congregation. One of the really interesting things to me about the story, he had lunch uh, back in 2018 with Pastor Wang Yi. We, you and I have talked before about Pastor mm-hmm. Wang Yi. He is serving a nine-year prison sentence in China. So back in 2018, he had lunch with Pastor Pan, the pastor of the Mayflower Church, and Pastor Pan said he looked across the table, and Wang Yi asked him, are you ready to go to prison? And, and Pastor Pan said, I had to admit to him, no, I'm, I'm not ready. I don't want to go to prison. I'm not ready for that. And he said, Wang Yi told him, you better get ready. That That's what's going to happen to pastors. In fact, he predicted his own arrest. He knew that he was going to prison, and, and now we know he was arrested. He is serving a nine-year sentence. Uh, but that's really what started this conversation and started this church body deciding, hey, we don't have a future here. We can't raise our children according to godly biblical principles here because they are forced to go to Communist Party schools. We want to go somewhere where we can raise our children according to our conscience, according to the Scripture. That's what led this entire congregation to leave China and look for a place where they could have that freedom. Excellent. And people can hear the details and a lot more this Saturday. I don't know, wherever you're at, check out your local listings, what time uh, VOM radio is on. But here, again, Q90FM at 8.30 a.m. Central Time. Okay, Todd, let's go back to your trip, other details, other stories that are just fascinating for us to hear. And you get to experience these things firsthand and talk to these believers and do the work. 
Yeah, it, it really was an amazing trip. One of the other conversations, and again, this is very unique in my in my years here at <laughs> Voice of the Martyrs. We had the chance to interview an American couple who was kicked out of China. And one of the interesting things, as as we kind of dove into the background of this, uh, since the start of COVID, uh, the estimates are as many as 5,000 foreign Christians have been kicked out of China. Mm. Uh, not just Americans, obviously South Koreans, Christians from other nations as well. Uh, but when you talk about 5,000 people, wow. and in some cases they were kicked out, uh, in some cases, they left because of COVID and they weren't allowed to come back. Uh, in some cases, their visa came up for renewal and the, and the Chinese government just said, nope, sorry, we're not going to renew your visa. You can't stay any longer. You got to leave. Uh, but when you think about 5,000 foreign Christians who were in China in 2015 hmm. that are not in China today, uh, that is a serious impact and, mm-hmm. and a serious situation. And uh, it was interesting to hear this couple, in, in their case, they plan to stay. They They weren't planning to leave uh, until the Chinese police raided their apartment. They arrested the husband and father. They took him to the police station. They interrogated him over a number of days. Uh, They told the wife, do not tell anyone what is going on, uh, which is an interesting threat. Mm -hmm. And so literally this married couple they felt pressure not to talk to each other about what was going on. When, when the, the husband was released from the police station, he didn't want to go into all the details with his wife because he thought, well, what if they take her, you know, what if they take her tomorrow and they're interrogating her? I don't, you know, I want to, I don't want to lay that on her and have them asking her about what I said. So there was a lot of pressure brought to bear on this, again, American couple. We mm. we might think that an American passport is, is protection from interrogation, is protection from detention in China. That is not the case. Uh, they were, they faced very intense pressure, but they also experienced some amazing blessings in the midst of this. Mm. Uh, one of the stories that, that uh, they told, and we're going to have this on VM Radio in, in a few weeks down the road, uh, but the husband was detained at the police station. The wife is home at, at their house, and uh, their pastor, a local Chinese pastor, comes and knocks on the door. And the wife has been threatened. Hey, don't tell anyone that we arrested your husband. Don't tell anyone what's going on. And, and the pastor knocks on the door, and he says, hey, you know, I've been trying to call your husband. I've been trying to call you. There hasn't been any answers. Well, the, the police had taken their phone, so, of course, they couldn't answer them. But what what's going on? And the wife said, you know, I I didn't want to say, and she said, so I said, well, my husband is, um, uh, he's not here right now. <laughs> and she said, supernaturally and instantly, the pastor knew exactly what had happened. Mm. And she said, right in the entryway of their home, he dropped to his knees and just prayed. He just invited God into the situation. He prayed for her husband. He said, hey, we don't know what he's facing right now. We don't know what's going on with him. Lord, give him strength in this time of trial. Give him strength to answer all the questions and and give him wisdom in what he says. And, And she said, just a sense of God's presence and a sense of God's peace rained down in into their home right at that moment as this Chinese pastor who didn't know the whole situation, but somehow supernaturally he did know what was going on. Mm, she said wow. that was just an amazing thing that God showed up in the midst of that 
and just kind of confirmed, hey, yeah, this is a difficult situation. Yep, the next few days are going to be tough, but I am with you, and I'm going to send my people to be around you and support you. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to worry. And so, again, a story of suffering, a story of hardship, but an amazing story of God just coming through in those moments and really confirming his presence and confirming his power, even in the midst of a situation where you don't know what's going to happen, you don't know what's going on, you don't know how long it's going to take, God still showed up, and that was their testimony, wow. and that's why I'm so excited to share it on <laughs> on Voice of the Martyrs Radio. That's why I'm excited to tell it right now, is just yeah. even in that moment, God showed up. What you said, Todd, is is an interesting part, a good part of the New Testament. And you, you talked about blessings in the midst of persecution. Isn't that, I mean, part of the theme of believers? And one of the blessings is the gospel spreads and increases and more people come to Christ. Talk to us a little bit more about that. It, it is one of the blessings. And, and it's an amazing thing. And, you know, it, it happens in a lot of different ways. It, it happens in ways where God shows up and, and people see his power. Mm. It happens when our brothers and sisters show love and show forgiveness to the people who are persecuting them, who are interrogating them, maybe even torturing them. There is no yeah. human earthly explanation for how you can love someone who's torturing you. Mm. That, that, that doesn't make any sense. Unless God is real, unless God is the one who gives you the power to do that and the power to to forgive and the power to love, um, you know, that that is such an amazing testimony to the reality of Christ, yes. the reality of God's power. And so that's one of the ways that the gospel spreads. And, you know, we see that again and again and again around the world as our brothers are suffering. There are opportunities for them to be a living example, a living representation of Christ, and to show his power. Todd, I just want to camp out here just for another couple minutes. It's very important because of what we believe and what we know is coming to America already here in different stages and different on different levels as far as discrimination against Christians, which we're going to be talking a lot about that in the second half of the podcast. But we hear, you know, we have a hard time when someone just speaks ill of us and we get upset. You know, we have no idea, I think a lot of us don't, of the, the nature of these brothers and sisters in Christ who truly are able to live their faith boldly and forgive, whether it's their captors, like you said, their torturers. A lot of us have a hard time just, just imagining that. Um, how else do we try to understand and, and prepare for that moment other, other than praying for God to change our hearts? Well, you know, I would commend to people our podcast episode from last weekend. I had a conversation with Cole Richards. He's the president of the Voice of the Martyrs about this very topic. Mm. And uh, he has written just in our magazine late last year, he wrote a series of editorials about, okay, how do we, how do we prepare? How do we think about this? And one of the things he said, he said, as I meet with Christians and pastors and, and others here in the United States, when I think about the the thought that persecution could come, he said, the biggest word that I think of is unprepared. <laughs> we are unprepared <laughs> yes. to face persecution mm. and to stand strong in our faith. And mm-hmm. one of the things we talked about in that conversation is somehow we have to flip the switch that there are going to be difficulties when we follow Christ. Mm. Uh, and, you know, that 
that shouldn't be a shock to us. That's no. what exactly what the Bible says. Jesus himself said, the world hates me, yep. and if you follow me, the world will hate you too. So we sh- we in America haven't experienced that, most of us. So over the course of our history, mm-hmm. we haven't had to deal with that here in America. And so one of the biggest things about preparing ourselves is simply flipping that switch to say, okay, yeah, I am going to have opposition. I I am going to have hardship. Mm. As I am following Christ, as I am being bold in my witness for him, there are going to be people who push back against that. And part of our challenge is we've never had to experience that, and so we don't expect it. We don't think it's going to affect us, and we have to kind of shift our mindset to say, yep, I am going to have opposition, and and that doesn't mean I have failed. That actually means I'm being faithful. <laughs> Amen. Because that's what Jesus said would would happen when I was faithful. So, making that sort of shift in mindset is one of the key things of of preparing ourselves. The other thing, and I uh, I'm a football fan, and I know you got a lot of Packer fans that listen up there, <laughs> and you know if. If I'm the Packers and I'm getting ready to play the Patriots this coming weekend, what do I do? I go and watch a lot of video about the other teams that have played the Patriots. And what video do I watch? I watch the plays that worked. Yes. I watch the plays (laughs) that that got 20 yards Mm. and scored a touchdown. So how do we do that if you kind of shift that over to thinking about how do if we're preparing for persecution – what do we do to watch the video to, to prepare ourselves to see what worked? Well, we read the stories, we watch the stories, we hear the stories of Christians who have already been through persecution, and they came out with their faith victorious. That's, you know, we talked about the Sabina group study. That's mm-hmm. what this tool is, is, yeah. hey, this is a scouting report. This is a watch the video of what worked, mm. and so you can do it yourself when persecution comes. That's how we prepare ourselves. The, the, the scripture, the Bible, mm-hmm. and the stories of those who've already been persecuted. Yeah, amen, brother. Um, Todd Nettleton, Voice of the Martyrs, and also praying, Lord, increase our faith and help us prepare for what we know is coming. Yeah. And by yeah. the way, and it, go ahead. You know, one of the one of the modern day Sabinas in the Sabina group study is Miriam and Marzia, two mm-hmm. ladies who were arrested in Iran. They distributed more than twenty thousand New Testaments wow. in and around the city of Tehran. Mm. So the the, the the Iranian government was convinced there was actually a whole network of people that were distributing New Testaments. It was just these two ladies. <laughs> But one of the things they prayed, and and I think this is an incredibly dangerous prayer, they prayed, Lord, let us experience a little bit of your suffering. Mm. Wow. Wow. They were arrested. They spent more than 200 days in prison, Evan prison, a very notorious prison in Tehran. They got to experience, the, the Lord answered their prayer. He let them experience a little bit of his suffering, but... They also experienced amazing opportunities to share their faith, mm. to live out the gospel in, in front of other people. In fact, they said, you know, when we were outside of prison in Iran, we were nervous all the time. We were wondered if the police were watching us. We were had to be really careful. They said when we were inside Evan prison, all those barriers were gone. We didn't have to be careful at all. The government already had us. They already <laughs> knew who we were. We could tell everyone. We wow. could talk openly about our faith in Christ. Mm. So they actually talk about being in prison as being more free to share the gospel wow. because all the secretiveness, all the kind of hiding what you're doing, they don't have to worry about that anymore. So wow. they're mm. one of these examples and one of these people that inspires us 
as we think about getting ready for persecution, uh, they're they're one of the people. That's some of the film we need to watch. Yes. To get ready. Amen. Uh, Sabina group study at persecution dot com. Todd, for those maybe few who are hearing this, women in a country like Iran praying, uh, Lord, help us understand or help us experience. Um, a portion of your sufferings, or, or however they prayed that. For those of us who might respond, you know, what kind of person prays a prayer like that? You know, how would you how would you respond to that? And really, I mean, well, who would pray I, that? I asked the same question. <laughs> like, like that is a dangerous prayer. Yes, Lord, Lord, I want to experience a little bit of your suffering, Lord. Uh, the the Wormbrands, Richard and Sabina Wormbrand, Lord, allow us to carry a cross. Mm. What what kind of and I wonder the same thing like like I'm not asking the Lord to to suffer I'm not asking the Lord to experience that so I think it is it is someone who has a very very deep level of faith and commitment to Christ yes I think it's also someone who understands God can work in the midst of suffering Amen. God can shape us. In some ways, he can shape us more easily in the midst of suffering than in the midst of of plenty. And so I think these are brothers and sisters who see that, and they are are so committed to Christ and so want him to work in their lives that they are willing to have him work even if it means a cross, even Mm -hmm. if it means experiencing a little bit of his suffering. Wow. I think some of us have a lot of maturing to do and a long way to go when it comes to that. But let's pray, friends. Uh, we don't. We are here for such a time as this. We know it's here. We know it's coming and increasing. But Todd, five minutes left. Um, a little bit more about your Southeast Asia trip. You mentioned Laos. So what else would you like to share? Yeah, let me share. I, I had the chance to sit down and interview several pastors from Laos, and you know, it's interesting. A lot of their stories start with a show of God's power. Uh, one of the pastors was sick. He had a, a chronic illness. One of the other pastors was experiencing what I would call demonic oppression. He said, you know, every night when I lay down in my bed, I had horrible nightmares, terrible, frightening visions of evil in my room. And he said he heard about Jesus. He, he heard something about Jesus, and he prayed one night, Jesus, if, if you're real, I want to sleep. Make Make these terrible visions, these terrible nightmares stop. He said that night he slept through the night 100% peacefully, woke up the next morning and said, I'm going to follow Jesus. He's, he's got power. He, he scared off all the demons. He made it so I could sleep through the night. I'm going to follow the Jesus who showed his power in my life. And one of the great things about that is once they have seen God's power at work, it is very difficult to knock them off course. Mm. Uh, you know, the, they say, sure, you can, you can beat me up. But I saw how powerful Jesus is. I'm still going to follow him. Mm. You can tear down my house, but I experienced the power of Jesus. I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to deny that because I saw it. It, I, it happened to me. It happened in my life. And so there is that amazing thing that happens as, as God shows his power. These who, and many of them come out of a animistic kind of background. So they have prayed to the spirits of their ancestors. They have mm, prayed yeah. to the spirits of the rain or the spirits of the village or whatever. And Jesus is more powerful than those spirits. So, of course, they're going to follow him. They're, they're not going to follow the less powerful. They're going to follow the more powerful. And it is difficult to knock them off course. The other thing we heard in, in Laos, and this, again, was very fascinating to me. 
Every village has a village leader. He's appointed by the Communist Party officials, and he is responsible for everything that happens in that village. If that village leader is opposed to the gospel, there will be persecution in that village. It's basically a 100% chance there will be persecution. If, though, that village leader is not so opposed to the gospel, say maybe his wife has come to faith, or he has a friend who came to faith, and and he saw that the gospel made a difference in that life, if he is not so opposed to the gospel, there probably won't be persecution in that village. Hmm. It it literally is is almost that simple. Like, if if the village leader is opposed, there will be persecution. If he's not opposed, (laughs) there won't be persecution. And I asked one of the pastors, I said, you know, it sounds like you need to be evangelizing village leaders and, and, and getting them first so that there's no persecution. They are specifically reaching out to village leaders. And one of the pastors said, you know, we have a Christmas service every year, a special Christmas service and a meal afterwards. We always invite the village leader. We always give him a place of honor at that service. Now, the good news is he's hearing the gospel. Mm, The other good news is he's developing relationships. He's seeing, hey, these Christians aren't a threat. They're not trying to overtake the government. They just want to worship Jesus. Exactly. They just and he said, I, you know, we give him a place of honor. We make sure he gets a gift at that Christmas thing. We make sure he gets the best of the food. We're trying to build bridges with that village leader because they know that person more than anyone else in the whole system. That person controls whether there will be persecution in that village or not. Wow. Oh, just amazing. Todd, um, when, when we hear from you, it just helps us, I mean, who complain about piddly things here in America, in the safety and security of our you know, nation and the Constitution and what we have, the freedoms we have. It really gives us a heart check and perspective check, and it's so valuable what you share with us. So thank you so much for the work that you do, and uh, we look forward to the next conversation with you, brother, and for hearing these uh, reports on VOM Radio. Thanks, God. Thanks Todd. You are welcome, and I would just remind listeners, you can connect with us at persecution.com. We send out a free magazine from Voice of the Martyrs. The Sabina Group study is there, and I, too, will look forward to the next time we get to chat. Yes, thanks, Todd. God bless you, brother. All right, when we come back, hostility against churches is on the rise in the U.S., a report from Family Research Council, and Tucker Carlson demands professional Christians stand up for Canadian pastor arrested for protesting a drag queen event for kids. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth. All right, a couple other articles we will get to today. Um, LGBTQ members of Arizona School Board are banning Christian student teachers due to their biblical beliefs. Also, an LGBT activist mayor mentored by Pete Buttigieg arrested for child pornography. We'll talk about that because the media will not. And um, Tucker Carlson uh, demanding professional Christian leaders stand up for a Canadian pastor who was arrested for protesting a drag queen event. Let me just touch on that one right now. Uh, February 25th at uh, Calgary Public Library, Derek Reamer of Mission 7 was accused of joining several others and in interrupting the drag event by shouting, quote, homophobic, homophobic and transphobic slurs at children and parents in attendance. Sure. So the pastor, I'm sure, right? Uh, he was the lone individual facing charges, including one count of causing a disturbance, one count of mischief, uh, six counts of harassment under the city's public behavior bylaw, 
Each count, according to the city, carries a penalty of $10,000 each count. And if the fines are not paid, the pastor could spend six months in prison. Video posted on social media shows the minister being shoved to the ground by some attendees of the grooming event as he proclaimed Jesus is Lord. Uh, Tucker Carlson shredded Canada for turning into a, quote, atheist totalitarianism during a segment last week and called out professional Christians who have thus far remained silent on the pastor's arrest because it's up north in Canada, not in the U.S. We have a lot of Canadian listeners. God bless you guys. And um, sad, the direction of both of our countries and the governments. Um, quote, on some level, all governments hate religious people because it's competition. And revolutionary governments, totalitarian governments, go after religious people first. Tucker Carlson continued, that is the measure of a free country in the end. Are you allowed to believe that there is an authority higher than the people in charge of your government? In Canada, it's now a crime to object to sexualized drag shows for children. So that article we will put in the podcast notes. Now, the report from the Family Research Council, Hostility Against Churches on the Rise in the U.S. Between January 2018 and September 2022, at least 420 acts of hostility against U.S. churches occurred. We're talking about vandalism, arson, gun-related incidents, bomb threats, and more. Now, that this increase in religious hostility should not be taken lightly. These acts are destructive, and for government to turn the other way because it's these uh, attacks are against Christians or churches or religious people, it is criminal for a government to not protect all Americans and serve all Americans. Now, the report says, I think it's a sign of a lessening of the faith. And as we've seen from recent surveys, the lack of Judeo-Christian uh, values and also the declining biblical worldview, that plays into all this. But the report goes on, there's ample reason to be concerned about rising hostility to Christianity by a Western culture that increasingly rejects Judeo-Christian values. And we went through some of those, 10 of those, I believe. Was it a Tuesday on the podcast? Um, there was a very short article by Dennis Prager. We talked about what are Judeo-Christian values. But so this report, published by uh, Family Research Council, documented incidents of government violations of religious freedom against individual Christians or Christian institutions across 14 Western countries in the last two and a half years or so. Tracking physical incidents against churches is an important data point for larger discussions about increasing intolerance toward Christianity in American society. Stop right there. Intolerance toward Christianity. How is our country founded? Ooh, they don't teach that anymore. The truth about our founding no, they don't. That's another reason why there is such an increase in intolerance. Now, the preachers of tolerance, right? Well, we should be tolerant. But if you just say you believe the Bible is true and you want to live by your Christian faith, they're going to shout at you, <laughs> beat you down. Intolerance, right? That's intolerance. The, the very thing they accuse us 
of being because of what we believe, they are openly and increasingly intolerant of those who adhere to the Christian faith. Now, um, criminal acts of vandalism and destruction of church property are often the case in many of these uh situation where churches are, have been attacked for whatever reason, there's a collapse in societal reverence and respect for houses of worship and religion. Again, a collapse in societal reverence and respect for houses of worship and religion. In this case, obviously, Christianity. That's a larger societal problem is what this report is concluding clearly marginalizing core Christian beliefs, especially those that touch on hot-button political issues. And when I mean political issues, I mean sin. Political issues related to human dignity, allowing babies to be born, gender, sexuality, behavior, choices, choices, behavior, lifestyles, Right? that go against how a person was born and how God created every human being to have value and every human being, every human life created in God's image. That's the truth. Everything else is going against the truth. Now, a couple years ago, the most recent year with available data 2021, the FBI reported 240 anti-Christian hate crimes. Now, I'm glad that at least they're I imagine how many more of these things took place that they did not designate hate crimes against Christians. So these acts of hostility against uh, churches can be intimidating. They send the message that, especially these pro-abortion terrorists that have bombed pregnancy centers and pro-life uh, churches, and like we've had many guests on, Julian Appling, uh, the Reverend Jim Harden in Buffalo, Compass Care in New York that was firebombed, they're sending a message that churches are not wanted in the community. And it also obviously shows that churches are not respected in general. The report continues, Make no mistake, acts of hostility against churches are a matter of religious freedom. Religious freedom is not maintained by good laws or policies alone. It also relies on cultural support. That's where the church and you and I come in. Assault is occurring on the ability to choose and live out one's faith in Christ safely. You know, you hear all this talk about safe spaces, right, on college campuses where students don't have to hear this uh, intolerant Christian uh, ethic and the worldview and the Bible teachings. They don't want to hear that, so they need their safe spaces. When we're talking about physical acts of violence, vandalism, destruction, So a lack of respect for houses of worship must not be shrugged off. And we've reported on this many, many times in recent years, friends. Uh, This contributes to a larger culture that fails to value freedom of religion. So you can get look up the graphs and the charts, the overall findings um, from Family Research Council. Um, we will put, we will put the link in today's podcast blog at standupforthetruth.com or you can go to frc.org. That's Family Research Council. You can see, uh, hostility against churches is on the rise in the U.S. All right. Next. Um, where's, where's the story? Here we go. LGBT members of Arizona School Board. You're going to love this one. I, well, I love, I not really love. All right. Um, 
An Arizona public school board recently voted to end its partnership with Arizona Christian University, which had supplied student teachers to the district for the past 11 years. The reason? Student teacher faith was deemed to be a threat to LGBTQ students. The Washington Elementary School District has 32 schools located in and around Phoenix, Arizona and Glendale, Arizona. Three of the school board's five members who identify as members of the LGBTQ community called for the contract not to be renewed. They argued biblical values pose too much of a threat to LGBT students. So they're not pointing even at a specific thing that was spoken, something that was done or said. They're just simply pointing to the Bible. Biblical values pose too much of a threat to LGBT students. Do you see where this is going in America? One thing I want to emphasize that you may have missed is in this particular elementary school district, there are five school board members. Three out of five identify as LGBTQ. Five school board members, the majority is LGBTQ. How do you think they're going to come down on some of these decisions when it comes to what curriculum is allowed in, the, in their in that school district, what is allowed as far as sex education, how they're going to pass the next public or the next uh, school restroom policy, what sports te- sports teams are men or I'm sorry boys going to be allowed to compete against girls? What about the dressing rooms and locker rooms at the high schools? Or the, uh, this is the elementary level, but the this is what this is a great example of school boards across the country, and it's so important. We can't trust our government in D.C. They're too far gone. We can have some impact at the local level, and this is where parents we have to do the hard thing. Citizens in the community get engaged at the local level. Keep an eye on and pay attention to local politics, and school board issues and decisions. So, again, friends, not to beat a dead horse, but but this is just one of the many cases where you've got five school board members and three of them are hyper-leftists, in this case LGBTQ, and that's what they're going to come down on every decision. We're No surprise. So, back to the quote, part of their value is, now, they're talking about the Christian um, university. Uh, part of their values is, is uh, um, the word is, transform the culture with truth. Do you have a problem with that? Yes, because they've redefined the truth. Part of their values are to, are to transform the culture with truth by promoting the biblically informed values that are foundational to Western civilization. Stop. They are against the West. When they redefine the West now to mean Christianized including the centrality of family, traditional sexual morality, meaning heterosexual sex, one man, one woman marriage, and sexual fidelity in marriage, meaning any sexual relations outside of a marriage is sin. It goes against the Bible, whether that's adultery or heterosexual or homosexual. And also lifelong marriage between one one man and one woman. So these are the values that they are against. And they have the majorities on many school boards. And this is just one example we wanted to point out today. Um, 
They noted the current teacher shortage, even though there's a teacher shortage. They said they had concerns over how uh, Arizona Christian University was committed to Jesus Christ. <laughs> so they're worried. They're not, they don't care about the teacher shortage. They don't want Christian teachers, right? So this is, that's the gist of this. And so the school board's recent decision was done for one reason, the university's commitment to Christian convictions. That's wrong. It's unlawful. It will only hurt the district's students, which I and I'm sure you agree as well. Religious liberty and freedom of conscience are, conscience are bedrock American principles. We are exploring our options, the, the ACU president said, to defend our, the rights of our students. In an op-ed um, called This is Discrimination, um, the Arizona Republic wrote, In other words, it's okay to discriminate against an entire class of people, in this case, students at Arizona Christian University, because you think one or more of them might display a bias against an LGBTQ student. And again, back to what we shared at the beginning of this, Biblical values, in their words, these are the school board members, biblical values pose too much of a threat to LGBT students. All right, that is going to be in the podcast blog as well. If you go to StandUpForTheTruth.com, today's podcast with Todd Nettleton in the first segment. Now, next, briefly, LGBT activist Mayor monitored, I'm sorry, not monitored, mentored by Pete Buttigieg. You remember Pete, right, who uh, recently shared a picture of him and his husband in, the ho- in a hospital bed, both of them holding babies. Mayor Pete and his husband, who now he, he works for the Biden administration, okay? So, so a liberal Democratic mayor and same-sex marriage activist um, who has a long association with the Secretary of Transportation, Pete Buttigieg, has been charged with dozens of counts of child pornography. No surprise here. Police arrested Patrick Wohan. He's the Democrat mayor of College Park, Maryland. Um, they charged him with 56 counts of possessing and distributing child porn. The National Center for Missing and Exploited Children tipped off local police February 17 about a user named Skippy MD on social media app Kick, I guess is an app, and he he uploaded 15 videos, uh, images of adult men taking part in sexual activity with prepubescent boys. The Prince George's County Police Department uh, executed a search warrant on Patrick Wohan's home. Um, about a week ago, we can have, and, um, they seized multiple cell phones, a storage device, a tablet, and a computer. Wohan, by the way, rose to national prominence as an extreme LGBTQ activist way back in 2004 when he and the man to whom he is now legally wed, Dave Colsar, sued to foist same-sex marriage on the state of Maryland by judicial fiat. A judge initially ruled in their favor, but they lost on appeal. A little bit of background, and we'll move on. Wohan and Kolsar, the married men, um, had a religious ceremony in 2005 at Dignity, Washington. It's a gay Catholic group, according to local media. And in 2015, Wohan won election and made history as the first openly gay man to become mayor of the city, 
according to NBC News, when he began his longtime mentor-mentee relationship with Pete Buttigieg. Again, Mayor Pete, who is now Transportation Secretary, quote, I actually met Mayor Pete Buttigieg shortly after I was elected mayor in 2015. I went to the U.S. Conference of Mayors winter meeting in D.C. in January, and he was assigned to me, or he was assigned to be my buddy. Buttigieg continued to mentor Wuhan, advising him on how to get the most out of the conference. And um, the Washington Blade reported on this, which describes itself as America's LGBTQ news source. So this is even coming from a leftist news source, a LGBTQ news source, talking about their relationship. Whose relationship again? LGBTQ activist mayor Patrick Wohan arrested on 56 counts of possessing and distributing child porn, who also was mentored by Mayor Pete Buttigieg, who, of course, now is the is the Biden administration transportation secretary. So we could get into the weeds in that. There's more in that article, but it's over at WashingtonStand.com, the WashingtonStand.com, great website for these type of articles. You will almost never hear in the mainstream Marxist media. Now, a friend of mine sent this to me a a week, week and a half ago. I, uh, I did mention it before, but it's a fascinating story over in Australia where Queensland police say um, the shooting over there in Weambilla was a terrorist attack motivated by Christians, and particularly the worldview, including premillennialism. Well, what does that mean? They said um, there was an investigation into these people that were religious extremists who were described to be, quote, a Broad Christian fundamentalist belief system known as premillennialism. They were, they were subscribed to believe in that. And so now they're kind of putting those who would believe in premillennialism as extremists. Now, the premillennialism is the belief that after a period of extreme suffering and or the tribulation, that Jesus Christ will physically return to earth for 1,000 years. That's the millennium. So in its basic interpretation, there was a belief that Christ will return to the earth and provide peace and prosperity, but it will be preceded by an era or a period of tribulation, a time of tribulation, widespread destruction and suffering. And what they're saying in these people over in Australia, um, Nathaniel, Gareth, and Stacy Train, they followed a extremist Christian ideology that uh, So they started preparing for the end of days. Quote, Christian extremist ideology has been linked to other attacks around the world, but this is the first time we've seen it in Australia. So it's just interesting. Now, these people kind of, you know, kind of went off the rails on one end, right? They took it a little too far. Maybe they were extreme preppers because of their belief in the, in the coming uh, Great Tribulation, because they had these beliefs, this worldview they adhered to premillennialism. I just think that's fascinating. And there's an article that, that goes with that. The practicing Christians are now fascists and terrorists. And that is over at Washington Times but I, I, by Everett Piper. But I want to jump ahead to another one. 
Okay, two more. I'm not going to be able to do this in the short time we have left. Um, first of all, one headline, Jim Jordan subpoenas national school board officials over request for federal crackdown on parents. And the gist of this one is that Jordan, which is a he's a great um, uh, representative out of Ohio, he issued a series of subpoenas aimed at senior executives of the National School Boards Association as part of an investigation into the organization's push to have the Biden administration to crack down on parents who protest at school board meetings who they're accusing these parents of engaging in domestic terrorism because the parents are protesting what the teachers or the school boards are allowing in the public schools. Do you see where this is going? Even non-Christian parents, these are just Christians that would show up, or non-Christian, just citizens, just parents who have kids in the public schools that show up at the school board meetings and protest. So kudos, Jim Jordan. There's so many men that we're thankful for, uh, a minority of them, in Washington, uh, Josh Hawley, Rand Paul, uh, Ted Cruz, Jim Jordan, Ron Johnson. There's a lot of others who are not perfect and who do not make every decision the way we would support. But in many, many, many cases, they are the ones that are doing the bulk of the work. Thank you, Jim Jordan. Finally, um, ministry sues the state after Washington outlaws hiring Christian employees. Now, this involves the Yakima Union Gospel Mission suing Washington state officials to protect its First Amendment right to hire staff members who share the nonprofit's religious beliefs. Recently, the Washington Supreme Court reinterpreted the state's non-discrimination law to ban religious organizations from only hiring employees with like-minded beliefs. Where have you heard this before? (laughs) Um, For over 85 years, the Yakima Union Gospel Mission has existed to, quote, Follow Christ in helping people move from homelessness to wholeness. The mission serves anyone needing assistance, offering homeless and family shelters, along with addiction recovery programs, thrift stores, mental health services, um, clinics, and other outreaches to the community. In 2022 alone, last year, the mission gave out three meals per day for a total of more than 431,000 meals to the homeless. So, Understand this, if you're suffering, if you're in need, if you're homeless, if you really need help, do you care if someone that's going to provide a meal for you is Christian or LGBTQ or Republican or Democrat? Do you care? No. You just care that that need is being met. So God bless this organization. We'll find out what happens there in Washington State because, boy, that's a, that's another State a Supreme Court that's apparently going off the rails when it comes to discriminate discrimination yes discriminizing against uh, Christian organizations in this case you know you can't even hire people that are Christians if you're a Christian organization does that make sense to you it shouldn't um, anyway this is what's going on that's over at Harbin actually yes HarbingersDaily.com and um, the article comes from Decision Magazine as well. Just a rundown, friends, uh, to give you a balanced understanding of what's happening with persecution around the world that Todd Nettleton shared, and then the report by Family Research Council that hostility against churches is on the rise, but the media will not report accurately or the true facts about this. And this is what's sad and tragic in a country like America that used to be free and fair 
and have even balanced media coverage 50-plus years ago, but it hasn't been that way in a long, long time. All right, tomorrow, back to the topic of Bible prophecy and worldview globalism with our guest, John Haller. J.B. Hickson next week. You will hear Pete Garcia, Jay Siegert, a little later, Natasha Crane. And thank you guys so much again for tuning in. God bless you. And as always, keep speaking the truth about things that matter.